Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Screen Wings. Yeah. A uh, special edition with me in Mexico and Thomas in uh, my house. Port-a-Pot. Oh, right. Sitting in the Carnival Fairgrounds. You are? <laughs> or I am? What? What? That's where you are. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so we're going to try this out. I might, I might sound a little echoey. I'm in a very echoey room, but I should be able to remove it in post. If not, then just pretend that I'm in heaven looking down on all of you. <laughs> uh, so we watched two movies this week. We didn't go crazy and watch two movies and two miniseries like last time. Yeah. Um, we watched uh, Awakenings by Penny Marshall from 1990 and Thorough. Reds by uh, Corey Finley, I think his name is. Yep. In 2017. Which I forgot. He has a new movie that just came out. Uh, it's been going around the circuits, the festival circuits. Uh, oh, yeah? Bad Education with Hugh Jackman. Huh. Oh, yeah. I think that. I think I added it to my uh, watch list. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um have you gotten a chance to watch any other movies this week? I saw that you watched, uh, started rewatching the, the prequels. Yeah, I watched the entire prequel trilogy. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, uh, the, I, I liked them. Like, I went into them expecting to hate them a lot more than I did. I actually came out like, I thought they were enjoyable. Um, the only thing that really, like, majorly bothers me about them is I'm not a big Anakin fan. Uh, You're not a big Anakin fan? Yeah, I just felt like they could have uh, done the whole, like, Darth Vader backstory a little bit better. It, just, it was just too angsty teenager for me, you know? I do think I do think it uh, gets um, fleshed out pretty well in the Clone Wars series. Yeah. Which is between two and three. Uh, which, you know, it, a series shouldn't need to flesh out characters. But. Yeah, but overall I enjoyed it. What was your favorite out Oh, probably... Was it the third one? Yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I think there are some really good moments in episode three. Yeah, no. I love all of them, because I'm a crazy person, but episode three has some like really like iconic moments. And I don't fault some people like that have that as their favorite still, especially like that are our age, because... Yeah, that's the first Star Wars movie I remember like seeing in theaters. The other two I might have, but I was too young to really remember. Um, apparently, I've I've seen, with the exception of the original trilogy, I've seen all of them in theaters. Because uh, I saw the, um, my parents took me to go see Phantom Menace. I don't remember that one, but I remember seeing Clone Wars, and I remember seeing, uh, for the midnight release of uh. Revenge of the Sith, and I fell asleep like halfway through it. But uh, we went and saw it again, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then I've just caught the rest of them in, in theaters as they've been releasing them. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, did you have a chance to watch anything else besides that? Uh, yeah. The I rewatched Heather's. So. Oh yeah, I watched that for the first time. Uh, probably two months ago. With uh, Julia. Ah, nice. What do you What do you think of the movie of Heather's? I think it's I think it's pretty good. Uh, like I don't think it's I think it's like a good cult classic movie, like a, a yeah. nice seven out of ten. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was. I think I gave it a six. I enjoyed it. I, I think that uh, Slater writer really good man. Yeah, and fun. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Was there any particular reason why you watched Heather's? Or were you just, I was kind of like, reminded. I Slater. I was kind of reminded of it when watching uh, Thoroughbred, so kind of put me in the oh, yeah, mood to rewatch it. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so did you just rewatch Heather's, like, just now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you told me, like, five hours ago or whatever, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of Thoroughbreds. Yeah. They're both, like... <laughs> I think Heather's a little longer than 90 minutes, but they're both pretty short movies. Yeah. I was surprised that Thoroughbreds being this so short. Yeah. I don't know why. I was just expecting it to be, like, kind of a longer, slower-paced movie, but yeah, like everything kind of happened in quick succession. I just, like, moved the toolbar, and suddenly I'm, like, halfway through it. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? It doesn't feel like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I moved it, and I'm like, I'm a third through it. I thought I just sat down. Yeah. Um, I rewatched a couple movies. I've, I've been showing, like, my dad and his uh, wife a couple movies that I really enjoyed. Um, so, like, we watched The Raid. Yeah. Which I showed you, and I think that was, like, my fourth or fifth watch. And I still love that movie. Um, and I was surprised they both really enjoyed it as well. We watched a Green Room with Anton Yelchin. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched Thoroughbreds, like, right after that. And it was just like, Mr. Yelchin. Yeah, it's... I forgot. Have you seen Green Room yet? No, I haven't. I no, need I, to. I lent it to you and you never watched it. That's true. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and then we watched a horror movie uh, called Veronica, which was directed by Paco Plaza, who, like, uh, he co-directed or he directed, like, all the rec films. Oh, okay. The record films. Um, and he has a new movie that just came out this year. But I want to see once it hits streaming platforms or digital markets. Um, but I, when Veronica first came out, I like really, really liked it. Like I would say, I even loved it. And rewatching it, like I still enjoyed it, but not nearly as much. And I'm just like, I don't really even know why I loved it so much. But it was, it, it has some good elements. The acting's pretty good, which is nice because a lot of it is reliant on like younger actors. Like I think the main actress. Is supposed to be playing like a fifteen-year-old, and then all the other characters are like her little siblings that are like eight. Oh, okay. But they're all pretty decent, and there's some interesting directing. The, the soundtrack, when it's not just like Hollywood-esque, like drones, is really good. Hmm. Oh yeah, the Hollywood oh. drones. Yeah, my favorites. And then I also watched uh, Tragedy in a Temporary Town, which is a um, 1956 teleplay by Sidney Lumet and uh, Reginald Rose, who would go on the next year to be 12 Angry Men. Okay. Uh, so, and. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I picked up the criterion for that, which is going to arrive mm. today, so I'll have to watch it soon. Yeah. Uh, 12 Angry Men, that is. Honestly, I think Tragedy in a Temporary Town might be on that Criterion uh, disc. Oh, really? Because it's like kind of a bonus. It's a teleplay they made. It's like 50 minutes long. Hmm. And I really liked it. The story's really good. A lot of the acting's really good. But oh, 
god, it did it age so poorly, just in like terms of like video quality. Because mm. the the thing that's available on the Criterion channel, it was like recorded off of a television set. Oh gosh. <laughs> like they don't have like the original recording of it anymore. Oh yeah. And uh, the video quality's really bad, the audio quality's really bad. Oh man, that's sad. Which makes me sad, because I really, really liked it. Hmm. It's not nearly as good as Twelve Iron Man, which is like one of my favorite films, but it's nice to see like the the birth of these things, these ideas. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and that's pretty much all I watched. Um Yeah, and then the two movies that we went through today. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I uh I beat um Jedi Fallen Order and then I I'm almost a hundred percent done. I keep going and re-exploring the planets. I think I just have uh, two more planets to go. And I'm already like 95% done with one of them. Mm. So, and I had an absolute blast with that game. Even though my computer gets shredded by that. <laughs> like, the performance is so bad on my computer. But I'm just like, gotta play Star Wars. Yeah, I got it on my uh, PS4. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to get it on my PS4, but then I'm like, no, I want to play it while I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Um, I didn't get super far into it, but uh, after we're finished recording the episode, uh, I'm going to be hanging out with Jordan, and we're probably going to play through through it since I'm like so close to the beginning. Nice. Okay. Uh, and then I played a little bit more of Death Stranding. I really, really want to finish it because I'm really compelled by the story, but the gameplay mm. is uh, a little tedious, I will say. Yeah, which sounds like my jam. Yeah, I'm going to probably pick it up once I get back to the States. I just got my final paycheck for my last job. Oh, nice. So I'm just like, I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not nearly. <laughs> okay. Well, sounds good. Uh, we don't have any questions today. Oh, Pierre. Unless you secretly have uh, questions. I can, I can look up some general movie buff questions. <laughs> no, that's okay. We don't we don't need don't need a question. Okay. We don't need a question every every week. Fair enough. This week will just be a chill dance dance a phone, you know? Yeah. Can we just recheck our email? Yep, no, no. Okay. Um do you have a movie idea for us? Uh, sure. Okay. Okay. It, so you know how, like, Shaun of the Dead is, like, a modern kind of, like, parody, but you can kind of take it seriously? Yeah. Alright, I want something like that for scenes of a marriage where it's, like, scenes from a roommate situation, where, like, you follow the gradual decline of, like, this friendship between two roommates. Through just like isolated okay, scenes, so. and it would be Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Oh, dude, that would be perfect. <laughs> you, they don't even have to pay me for the idea; they can just have it. <laughs> Jesus! Or you know what? Just have them remake scenes for our marriage. Just have them be married. I would also be okay with that. Well, that's. Uh, that's a, that's an idea. Yes. What about yours? Oof, that's a that's a good one. Um, you know, I've been thinking about 
Italian. We're getting the new Sonic uh, movie, unfortunately. Oh, and yeah. There's the Mario movie and the works from Illumination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? You know, you know, you know what movie we really, uh, we really are missing? What? Glover. What? What? All I'm saying is we need a Glover movie. Is that like an old retro game that I'm not aware of? Yeah, it's from the Nintendo 64. You play as a uh, magic glove cool. fighting an evil magic glove. And you roll around on a ball and you gotta take the ball certain places. Ah. And you gotta throw the ball in the hoops and you gotta hit enemies with balls. And <laughs> it's uh, it's a game. It looks like, it like a cult following. I don't know if I would say it's good. Like, I, I enjoyed my time with it, but I don't know if I would say it's good. I enjoy a lot of bad video games. Yeah. I get, but uh, I, I, think, I think Glover needs a, like a live-action movie. Yeah, it looks like something where the gameplay would be very... Uh, not, not very good, but it's prime for a film adaptation, because the story in it is just so yeah, magnificent. <laughs> Honestly, if they like did a like a HD remake of it, I don't know if they did or not. But like, if they just updated the controls, it's just like the N sixty four controller. I love it because it's weird and janky and funky. But it's just it looks hard to control things. Uh, it looks like it also came out on PlayStation One and oh. uh, Windows ninety eight. So oh, okay. well, I should play it on Windows ninety eight and see how it is. Yeah, that's. I'm going to downgrade my computer to a <laughs> Windows 98 machine just so I can play Glover with a Windows 98. I mean, it sounds worth the experience. Okay. Um, only a bit in, but I think we're ready to dive into our movies if you're ready, unless you have any other topics you want to talk about. Uh, Not particularly. Not off the top of my head. Okay. Um, so the first movie we're talking about today is the 1990 film Awakenings, uh, directed by Penny Marshall, starring Robin Williams and uh, Robert De Niro, as well as, uh, what's her name? The woman that plays Marge Simpson. Wait, what? That's the main uh, woman in that movie. What? Oh my gosh. You couldn't tell from her voice. I thought it sounded kind of familiar. I'm just like, I'm just, uh, uh, Julie Cabin. Oh. Yeah, she's, uh, Eleanor Costello in that. The whole time I'm like, she sounds just like Marge. <laughs> and it was Marge. Huh. Um, so this movie is based on a true story of this, uh, doctor that goes to work in like a, uh, like a mental hospital in the, the 60s. Um, so we open the film with Robin Williams, um, and he's like a super kind of naive guy, and he's really uh, antisocial, and he has trouble like even talking to anybody. Um, and he goes up, and he's applying for this uh, job at a at a mental hospital, and he's trying to get a research role in the psych department, but they they don't have it. All they have is like the resident psych doctor, right? Or, neurologist I think yeah something like that and he's like I've never even like worked with patients and the the main guy in charge of hiring is just like um 
never, just like once. Is and it? he's like, well, wait a minute. When you were studying to be a doctor, you had to have some clinical experience that you take a pulse or like measure a heartbeat or anything, like take some blood. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, cool, you're high. That's John Hurd from yeah. Home Alone and Sharknado. Yeah. John Hurd is like the, the rest. Of, he's not the one in charge of hiring, but he's like the second in command. He's like the head of like the, the whole doctors, pretty much. Yeah. He's kind of an asshole in the movie. We bring the gate over the lot today. Um, so, Robin Williams gets this job, and he's really out of its, his depth. And I, I made a note that, like, he was really, really good at portraying, like, a person that just had no idea what he was doing. And it was, like, freaking out. Yeah. Um, so, he takes this... Uh, He's, he's had all these patients that are either um, catatonic or some of them just, like, have, like, severe PTSD. Like, he clicks a pen while talking to, like, a woman, and she just starts freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, and he, like, kind of runs away. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but he gets a new woman. Uh, I think her name was Lucy. Uh, she's an older woman. Yeah. She had been living with, she'd been catatonic for quite a while. Uh Living with her sister, and her sister passed away, and nobody had found her for like days. But she arrived, and he tries to like speak with her. He tries to like uh, diagnose her, and he turns around. Uh, he like takes off her glasses for a second, and then like puts them back on her face, and he turns around and starts writing. Like, oh, she's unresponsive. Diagnosis. He keeps writing a bunch of. You know, doctor stuff. Yeah. And then he turns around to see her, like, bent over and, like, holding a pair of glasses like she'd caught them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, she's... He was, like, super confused. Like, she's responding. Um, so he, like, starts to do a little few experiments, like, dropping the glasses, and she really bends over and, like, hold the... Uh, catches them. Mm-hmm. And, uh... <laughs> So he presents this to a bunch of the other doctors, and they insist it's just a reflex, but Robin Williams is like, confident that... He's like... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, he's just very confident that uh, it's not a reflex. It's like their brain having a burst of activity and taking on the will of the object that they're catching. Yeah, he, he uses that uh, description. Like, she's borrowing the will of the ball, and then they, they're just laughing. And I'm like, don't laugh. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, it. And he's. It does sound a little absurd. I will admit. Yeah, I'm like, maybe use a different term than borrowing the will of the ball. Yeah, I'm like it's kind of a cool thing to say, but it also makes no sense. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and like they, he's like, I would believe it's a reflex if they were simply like batting away the objects that were thrown at them but they're like catching, catching them. them and holding on to them yeah but he so then he starts doing this with like every other patient uh, and they, they're all able to like all, all the same ones that are were in this catatonic state yeah um, so he starts to do uh some research on all of the patients and finds one uh, common link throughout them all. And they were all diagnosed with, uh, oh, what was it called? 
Encephalitis uh, lethargica, I think it's called. Yeah. yeah. There was an epidemic in like the 17, like 1970 to 1928. And like, they, they all survived, but then they all became catatonic. Uh, and were introduced, reintroduced to one of the other lead characters, um, Leonard, played by Robert De Niro. And I forgot, at the beginning of the movie, there's like a three-minute scene, probably. Yeah. Or a few scenes that introduce him as a young boy. He's like 11 years old. Uh, he's playing with his friends. He's really smart. He's carving his name into a bench. He's really good at carving his name into that bench in a quick amount of time. Like, holy shit. What'd you say? Like, that scene caught me off guard because he goes up and he starts, like, carving his name in the bench. And then, like, he's only doing it for a few seconds. And then you, like, cut to, like, the other side where you see what he's carving. And it's, like, perfect. <laughs> it's, like, oh, yeah, my gosh. Like, so, I'm, like, either he's been here for quite a while or, like, he's been doing this over a matter of days. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's not even, like, a, it's, like, a bigger thing. It's not just, like a thin lines of his name it's like huge chunks of wood come out of the bench yeah no it's like a professional like wood shaving like of a name it's weird <laughs> he brings a chainsaw over. <laughs> uh, but uh, he slowly starts to lose like he used to be really good at writing it shows all his like handwriting and it's like really nice and then it's slowly, slowly just starts shaking throughout a matter of days yeah and it, and it cuts to it cuts back to the present time where we're introduced to Rob Williams right after like his mom's like hey I don't know when he's gonna be better kind of thing to his, yeah. his friend who wanted him out of play mm-hmm. so then we're reintroduced to him and he's in this catatonic state and his mother's still taking care of him she visits him pretty much every day I think um yeah, pretty often. And she wants no more. I think uh, I think Leonard's the one where they find out the common trait because she was he was talking to her or something like that. Oh, okay, and then he finds uh, a paper about him. He relooks at everyone's file. Yeah, and I'm just like, it's really sad that all these places are so understaffed because finding like a common like thing between all of them shouldn't be that hard. Like people should have already known that. Yeah. Like <laughs> just one person needing to take a look at the paperwork and do the math. Yeah. But the fact is the places are so understaffed, so that's not uncommon that they just won't ever figure it out. Yeah. Uh there was also that- was Robin Williams Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I was gonna talk about a scene that I think we kinda like skipped over, but there's that scene where uh he uh like walks uh oh gosh what was her name uh rose uh like oh on the like tiled floor diagonally and then it like runs out and he's trying to get her to like the water fountain oh was that her name i thought it was lucy oh it it might have been lucy it might have been rose i don't know i'm i'm on the end it is lucy rose is uh, the other one lucy at one point he like finds her just like standing in in the middle of the place and she's like looking at like the water fountain and there's a bunch of things in her way so he moves them like there's a table that he moves and she starts walking and there's somebody in a wheelchair and he's like hey i'm gonna move you yeah <laughs> and she keeps walking until like the the pattern tiles end and i thought it was, he doesn't they, what was it i was gonna say i thought it was pretty funny because uh I've been playing chess all week, and this, like, scene reminded me of a chess game, because she's, like, moving diagonally across this tiled floor, and there are 
are people playing uh, chess, like, directly behind her as well. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just, like, supposed to tell the audience, like, it's a pattern before yeah. like, the main character figures it out. Um, so he has no idea why, but he, one day, uh, while this is going on, he also meets this woman who's, like, a nurse there named Eleanor, and she's really nice to him. She's like, hey, it does get better. I know it doesn't seem like it ever will, but it does. Mm-hmm. And she obviously wants to uh, canoodle with him for whatever reason. Um, yeah, for some reason. But uh, he's he's just kind of, he, he always goes out and opens the window in his office and looks outside and gets a breath of fresh air when he's feeling really overwhelmed. And he does that one day and he sees somebody playing like hopscotch and he sees, wait, a pattern. And he like freaks out. He's like, I get it. So then they literally just sharpie in a pattern. Yeah. Um, on the tile that's not pattern. And then Lucy walks the whole way. And he's like, we did it! So he's uh, he's obviously convinced that you know these people aren't all catatonic. They do still have responses. They might be conscious inside their heads. Uh, and he goes and talks to another like doctor, which is Maximon Seedow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I can't remember like if he used to be a doctor at that same ward or if he had published a book on it. I can't remember exactly what his experience was. I, I think but he, uh, he had found him when he was like researching that disease in the newspapers. Okay. Um, he was like, but the- and Maximon Seedow is just like, nope, they are not, they're not conscious inside it. And he's like, how do you know? And it's just like, because the alternative is too horrifying to think about. Yeah, what fallacious reasoning. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's kind of a bad reason. Yeah. Like, I get it, it would be sad. But. It's like, maybe <sighs> if you realized how terrible that is, you would have a little more incentive to, I don't know, try to figure out something. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Robin Williams is just going above and beyond. All the other doctors are just kind of like lollygagging around. Yeah. And just not doing anything. But he's like staying late every day. He's doing a bunch of research on his own. Uh, uh, and he finds a, he goes to a uh, like a seminar for uh, Parkinson's was, like medication. Yeah, what was it called? It, was, it had kind of a funny name. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, El, El Dopa. <laughs> um, that is a funny name. Who was that actor that was doing the seminar? I don't he know. I, so I recognized him too. Hold on, let me look it up real quick because I'm on the IMDb yeah, you do page. That. You do that. I'm gonna keep going. Um, so there, this L-dopa is supposed to be prescribed for like Parkinson's. It's supposed to like uh, be helpful for the that situation um, to to steady their to steady their brain, steady their hands, all that. And Robin Williams has this idea that what if these people in this catatonic state are kind of kind of have. Uh, things similar to Parkinson's where their body is convulsing so much like their brain, their body, their mouth everything to the point where they eventually just freeze up and are like a human statue and Robin Williams' performance in the scene is really weird because he's just like 
look at me, at a statue. Yeah. Who laughed this? You know, I was like, I don't think I was supposed to laugh. <laughs> yeah, you um, definitely brought a little bit of comedy to the movie in certain bits. Yeah, not all of it I don't think was, like, a good addition. Like, usually the comedic parts are like, okay, like, it, this works. But some of it I'm just like, I don't know if that works in the scene here. Yeah. Um, any any clue on that guy? I'm still looking. Uh, there are a lot of people in this movie. There are. That, that just happens when you have, like, a hospital with, like, here's a million unnamed characters that are in, like, one scene. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I gotta kind of, like, thumb through it. Uh, uh, but he, he talks to this guy and he's like, I don't know, you're the doctor, I'm just the physicist. You you were the one that needs to check it out. So he takes these ideas to, um, what what's his name? John Hurd, is that his name? Yeah. Like the resident, like main doctor there. He's like, L Dopa can cause a good reaction with these people. Uh, and he wants to put them all on it. And John Hurd's like, I'm putting every person on this drug that we have no experience with. And Robin Williams is just like, now we got it. But they eventually come to a decision that they can do it with one person to start off uh, with, like, written permission from their guardian. So uh, Robin Williams chooses Leonard, and probably because he has the best working relationship with uh, the mother, like he's talked to her a couple times, mm-hmm. and she's obviously there every day, so he thinks she'll be the easiest to convince. And he eventually does. He's like, listen, there's this drug, and I don't know what it'll do, but... And she's like, well, what do you hope it does? And he says, uh, give him his life back, or bring him back to this world. Yeah. And she does agree to it, and they start uh, trying to give it to them. They start with just a really low dose and then they go up to a higher dose. And they get up to like 500 milligrams and they start at like 100, I think. And it's still not doing anything. And Robin Williams is there late one night when nobody else is. And he just kind of does it himself instead of going to the person that's supposed to change the dosage. And he just has like a whole 1,000 milligrams and gives it to him. Yeah. And I was like, dude... Yeah, kind of going crazy. Maybe don't do that. Yeah, it's like, ooh, he really lucked out that that worked. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that could have killed that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, but but it does work. He 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 like falls asleep in the chair next to Leonard. And he wakes up in the middle of the night, and Leonard's not there. And he's like looking through the hospital. He sees the door open, and he finds Leonard just in a chair. He's trying to write his name, and it, it's obviously like I, I really like. I wasn't really sure if I liked the first scene um, uh, where it introduced Leonard as a kid. Yeah, but I do now because of this scene. I, I thought I liked the symmetry between him writing his name and then him writing his name again. And it's pretty like you can't read it, but you can tell like where the loops are that it, it was him, like the same name. Mm-hmm. Um, looking for this. I just pulled up the movie on my computer and I'm looking for that scene. Because most of the cast doesn't have photos on IMDb. Yeah. 
He might be in John Wick, actually, now that I'm thinking about Oh, oh. shit. I, yeah, I think that is the guy. <laughs> it's just weird, because he has a really weird accent. I'm not sure if he's, like, Swedish or, like, Norwegian, or I don't know. Let me look it it's up. Some, like, Western European, probably, or maybe Eastern European. It's, it's a strange accent. And he has strange delivery. <laughs> but anyway, so Leonard's awake now. And he starts, like, talking. And I, I really, really like Robert De Niro's uh, performance of this movie. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, it's like, I was, I'm always, like, <sighs> concerned when there are actors that are going to be portraying, like, disabled people. Because obviously you can't have a catatonic person play themselves because they're catatonic. Yeah. But you need to be, do something that's respectful. And it, uh, this seemed really, really good. Yeah, no, I, I liked uh, it quite a bit. I like Robin Williams' role as well. Like, I think he did a good job as well. But, geez, Robert really hit it out on the park. Yeah, no, but he did. this is about... Uh, so, he, he wakes up and they start, like, experimenting and he's, he's taking this medicine, I think daily, or I'm not sure. They, they say they're giving it to him a lot, but I'm not sure if it's daily or not. Yeah. But he, he wakes up and he's talking, and he's just this really nice guy. But he doesn't, there, there's a scene where he doesn't really realize that how much time has passed. Um, and he, he sees uh, a picture that Robin Williams takes of him, and he like sees and he's like yeah. he like touches his face and I thought this scene was really good when he walks in the bathroom and just kind of stares himself in the mirror mm-hmm. I was like Oof, that's rough jeez oh. <laughs> oh. but he's like really nice to everybody he's talking to everybody he's like hello how are you today and it's really sweet too he's like he's finally getting his chance back. Yeah. Um, he's finally out in the his, real conscious world. Mom a lot. He, he meets a girl who's taking care of uh, her father? Her dad who had like a, yeah, he had a stroke or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he's also like he can't move or do anything but it's a different like disease so his elbow is not going to help him. But Robin Williams wants to put everybody on this medicine but it would cost to uh, the hospital twelve thousand a month, which, if we're looking at nineteen sixty nine, it's a lot. I'm gonna check how much money that is. Uh, da, da, da. Does this guy have an IMDb page? I can't even find him in the John Wick movies. Yeah, that would be like almost eighty five. In the month uh, in today's currency, um, but Ron Williams. So, so John Hurd's like, no, I we can't do it. And Ron Williams is like, let me go straight to the patrons. So the the rich people that uh, pay for a lot of the things in the hospital. And John Hurd's like, okay, fine. So he makes a little movie with uh, Robert De Niro and with Leonard. And he's like, I've been told that I've been gone for quite some time. But I'm back now. And it's it's a really good little movie. Like, if I was rich, I would also give all my money to this hospital. Yeah, I'd certainly uh, give quite a bit. Yeah, and Leonard's like... So so they 
get enough money to put everybody on this medication. So then they're like, I want to say there's like 20 patients with the same thing. And they all start waking up. Oh, wait. I think this dude's one of the Germans from the Big Lebowski. Like the Nihilists? Oh, he is. Yeah. He is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's not the guy from John Wick. He's he's one of the Nihilists from the Big Lebowski. Yeah, but he reminds me of somebody from John Wick. Yeah, the the guy you're thinking of, I think, is uh, Michael (sighs) Nyk... I can't pronounce this. It's like N-Y-Q-V-I-S-T. Like... Ah, yeah, I wouldn't be able I'd slaughter whatever the pronunciation is on it. Uh, Alright, so where were we? So they're all waking up, and this is about halfway through the movie, and I was kind of like... Because I didn't know anything about the true story or anything about this. I didn't actually know this was based on a true story, so until the very beginning where it's just based on a true story. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of confused where the movie was going to go for another hour. No, I, I had a pretty good idea. I, I just got, like, major flowers for Algernon vibes, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, that story was based off of uh, the real-life events that, like, occurred. Because have you, have you seen that? Mm. Or no, write it? Didn't they do a... No, but I've uh, seen that. I think they did a Simpsons episode. They might have. I know that there's an It's Always Sunny episode about it. Oh, you're right. No, I've seen that. Hmm. Similar uh, kind of concept, only it's intelligence yeah. instead of uh, being, like, sentient. Yeah. So, for the next 20 minutes, this is probably my least favorite part of the film. I just thought it was kind of, like, poorly paced. It felt really long. I don't know why. But, like, the, for the next 20 minutes, they're just kind of happy and they're doing a bunch of stuff. They're going out in public. Uh they're going on excursions. They're being happy. Yeah. One woman who's like has some hair gray. She's like, I need black hair. <laughs> like they're they're trying to be. Some of them haven't been conscious. A lot of them haven't been conscious since they were like twenty or thirty. Yeah, because these are Lucy, all like younger example. people who were. Uh, yeah, like a lot of them. The, the oldest people are probably like sixty or seventy. So they got this disease when they were like twenty or thirty. Hmm. Um, Obviously, Robert De Niro got it when he was 11. I think it probably fully affected him when he was like 12. And then he went into this kind of catatonic state. Yeah. So, and there's a bunch of like interesting questions that are like only kind of hinted at. It's like, oh, how does he even function like as an adult if the last time he was like conscious was when he was like 12? Like, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's always like it's also like he he is super attracted to this woman and she's kinda into him as well. And I'm like, isn't that kind of unethical for her to be interested in him? In a sense, because he has the in some ways has the mind of a twelve year old. Yeah. It's like in the movie Big. Uh except he was still alive and doing it. It's not like he just magic. 45 or whatever. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if uh, like I'm, I'm pretty, I'd, I'd think her character was just in completely like fabricated because they tend to do that with like a lot of like based on yeah. true stories like uh, Patch Adams, which is another Robin Williams doctor movie based on he a true story. Coppola, I think. Did he really direct that? I have to look. No, he did Jack. 
<laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that one's like based on a true story. And Robin Williams, Patch Adams has like a love interest in the movie who uh never even existed. Uh, um. But the scenes with them are pretty sweet. She's she's mostly just like talking to them. Yeah, it's and more like a I got like a platonic kind of feel from it from yeah, her it end. Seems like he's pretty infatuated, and she's like kind of wants to be friends. Yeah, especially because he's like he doesn't think you'll ever get out of there, mm-hmm. which is where we go to uh, when things start going down. Yeah, he uh, he really wants to leave the hospital. He wants to go out. And he wants to go on a walk. I think partially because he wants to go out with her, but also he just wants to leave by himself and go on a walk and just, you know, be, be a human, be free. And there's, he goes up in front of like the whole committee. And it's like, I want to leave. I want to come back at night, you know, but I want to be able to be my own human. And there's this woman that's like, do you see the aggression that you're showing towards us? And he's like, or she says, do you see the, un- or the unconscious aggression you're showing towards us? And he's just like, it's unconscious, how would I know? Yeah. But also, I'm like, what? Calm down, lady. Yeah, she's... <laughs> this guy, this guy's been through the worst things, like, imaginable. Yeah. It, it, Show a little empathy. Seriously. Um, but then he... So he's freaking out because they say no. Pretty much. And he's like, you didn't awaken a thing, you awakened a person. And I want to be able to do what I want. But they say no. And like, even Rob Williams' character agrees with them. It's like, we're not, we don't know what this medicine will do. It's been, it's too early to tell. Because I think they've only been up for like, he, I think, has been up for like a month, maybe a month and a half. And I think the other patients have only been up for like a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and uh, he starts to show some pretty negative signs. A lot of yeah, he, ticks. He, he's, he tries to run out of the hospital, and they they stop him and they throw him in a mental ward for a bit. Like the I think it's like a ward five or something. And it's more for like mentally ill people instead of like the catatonic ward or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like he tries to start like an uprising. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, dude, this went crazy quick. He's like, they're sitting up there in their stupid chairs telling us what to do. Yeah. And they don't know what it's like. They don't they don't want to be reminded. They keep us behind locked doors because they don't want to be reminded there's something they can't cure. And this this whole speech was like really good, but I was also like, Wow, are you going crazy really quickly, man? Yeah. It was a real uh, quick turn. He he does start like uh, doing a little bit of nervous twitches. You know, you think I think in this scene I was it, it like teeters between the idea that uh oh is it getting worse or is it just like a nervous tick because like he's like freaking out. Yeah, uh, but then the, the next scene, Robin Williams comes to see him. And he's shaking his hand like he's and he's slurring his words and he's it's obviously going wrong and. Wrong ones. He's like, I can't figure out right now. And he's like, look at yourself. You're getting worse. And he's trying to help him. And he walks over and, like, touches his shoulder. And Robert De Niro, like, pushes him down. And yells at him. He's like, Mm-hmm. 
And then. He's got the fucking, I like his little bodyguards that he's got in there. Yeah, he's got a bunch of, like, bodyguards that are like, you can't see him. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Whoops, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was laughing a lot. It's just these three guys. I'm like, what? What is going on? He's got his own little posse. <laughs> um, but uh, pretty much like immediately after, like five minutes, because Robert De Niro realizes he's getting much worse, and he wants to spend like the. He thinks that he might just go fully out of it again, so he wants to spend the time with his friends and his family. So he he's like calls for Robin Williams and they they take him out of there and put him back on board and he's really nice again pretty much. Yeah. And uh um, yeah, it just slowly starts to go. Yeah, everybody else is like afraid that they're gonna go they're gonna go back under or whatever as well. But Robin Williams is like, we don't know that yet. You can't freak out until we know. Um but this the, the film gets pretty sad. Oh. Robert De Niro's like freaking out, um, and he's getting super, super shaky. And uh, he goes and has uh, lunch with the uh, the one girl he's interested in. What was her name? Uh, let me see. It's John Wick. Do you remember? Uh, give me just one second. It was Paula. Let me see. Yeah, I think it was Paula. Yeah, never trust Paula. (laughs) (laughs) Paula! Paula from scenes from a marriage? No way. Um, Yeah, so Paula goes and, like, they have lunch, and he's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go back under. I'm never going to leave. And she's trying to give him hope, but he's shaking, and he tries to say goodbye and give her a handshake, and he's, like, freaking out, and she, she... like dances with him. Yeah, which calms him down. Yeah. He's like slowly shaking a little less and sad. <laughs> but then, yeah, pretty much slowly everybody just goes back to their catatonic state. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the film pretty much ends. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. It, I was kind of like sad that they didn't like focus on that a bit more. And it just kind of, like, fizzled out, especially since there was so much kind of, like, sagging weight in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, but the film pretty much ends with Robin Williams, like, uh, in front of that same, like, committee or a bunch of people. And he's saying that, like, it wasn't a failure because these people got to wake up and live lives that they weren't possible before and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And... He's really, really sad. Like, Robin Williams is like, I lost my friend and stuff. It's very sad. <laughs> yeah. And then the film ends with being like, hey, this is what happened after them, all that jazz because it's based off of your story. And I need closure. I never really got it because they just, they never really woke up again. It said that, like, everyone once Short in a while, bursts. somebody was, yeah, but never to the extent because they were, like, conscious and available for, like, months at a time. Like, it was over a summer. Yeah. And it's like, that's sad, man. But there's, the, you know, the story's about those two mostly, but there's all Ron Williams hooks up with Eleanor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a thing. Um, 
I like a lot of the small character moments in this movie a lot as well. Like there's the the guy that wakes up like the older dude that's kind of balding and he's really not in a good mood because <laughs> he's like my I think he said my wife's uh, in an institution. Oh yeah, and I'm his old. Kids are dead. And my son's in the west out and somewhere out west that I have no idea about. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he's not in a good mood, but then he like. There's, there's just, like, a slow, like, kind of small little uh, arc with him where, like, later he's, like, running around. He's like, my son sent me a postcard. You know, there's a lot of, like, small background characters that have background scenes that you can watch, like, in the middle of your own scene, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd agree the with The same him. goes for Lucy. Like, she's like, I know it's not 1929, but I can't imagine not being 22. And I'm like, no, it's same Lucy. I can't imagine not being either. <laughs> yeah, and the lady who dyed her hair black got a good dance with Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, she did. <laughs> and she she has a bunch of like friends that she that she brings over from like I think when she was in like high school or something. She's like, isn't he so sexy? Yeah. <laughs> but I did really enjoy the small character moments uh, from pretty much everybody else. That's why I was kind of, I don't know why, the, the, the middle part, or like, from like an hour to like an hour and 15, I was just like, kind of sagging moments. And I think they spent too much time, like, talking about Robin Williams being like, oh, I'm kind of antisocial, and I'm like, let's let's focus on the, the other people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought it was important to show, the, like, how strong his friendship with Leonard was, but that was about it. Like, I don't know if, like, you know, because... Losing his friend again is really tough for him. Yeah, I mean they they pretty much clearly had established in the story up to that point that Robin Williams' character was very like kind of isolated and Shinji Akari like, where he doesn't really like connect with people, and it's like, yeah, we kind of already got that. You don't need to devote like a whole lot more. Yeah, like maybe like yeah. that. Yeah, and he even said at one point to I think Leonard, he's like, I don't really have. Friends, you know, like they've already established this, so this this part just kind of dragged. Mm-hmm. But that was really the only scene I did. I'm like, I really, I really liked the movie. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, like I, I thought that like Randy Newman did the soundtrack. He composed it, and like he he's done a bunch of like Disney. Yeah, stuff, he did Toy, like, Story. Toy Story and all that. And like I, I thought the soundtrack was. Like, well made, but it was just a little too generic for my taste, I think. Yeah, a lot of the, like, kind of production of this movie was a little on the generic side for me. Yeah, like, I think the movie really shines with the performances. Like, I think pretty much all the performances I really, really like. I'd agree. Uh, so, like, without them, I thought I think the film would just be, like, pretty much average, but I thought the performances, especially by Williams and De Niro, were, like, really good. <laughs> And honestly, like, uh, the, the woman who played Lucy was really good as well for the small thing she did. Yeah, she's, she's in other stuff. Uh, yeah, she's, she's, like, I've seen her quite a bit. I just can't remember off the top of my head what she's in. Uh, oh, she's in the first Ghost. She's the librarian in the first Ghostbuster. She's in Two Warm Food. No. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. The first, oh, uh... Have it, you seen Too Long Fu? I can't remember. Uh, when I was a little kid, I haven't okay, watched it in a really long time. I don't remember what though. character she plays. She plays a character that doesn't talk for, like, a really long time. So, now, so she, like, plays a very similar character. That's really funny. Huh. 
and uh, Ace Ventura, the first one. She's also in Furry Oof. Vengeance with uh, <laughs> oh, Brendan Fraser. Yes, we should watch. Oh, one day, one day. Maybe I'll pick that. Oh, dude, apparently she's also in Synecdoche, New York. What the heck? I haven't seen that one yet. Hmm. I need yeah, to, me though. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen... Yeah, I haven't seen any of the... I haven't seen Anomalisa either. Anomalisa is really good. Uh, yeah, the only... I haven't seen his second movie, Human Nature. That one's got, like, Tim Robbins in it. Uh, I haven't seen Did Adaptation yet. Uh, no. Or, no, he just wrote Human Nature. Uh... I think Spike Jones directed Human Nature, but yeah, no, his uh, his early body of work. No, Michelle Gondry did. Oh, he yeah, that's right, he did, and then they like collaborated again once they got onto uh, Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen Human Nature, I haven't seen Adaptation, and I haven't seen Synecdoche. But outside of that, I've seen the rest of Charlie Kaufman's movies. Oh, I also haven't seen that a, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind movie oh, that George Clooney directed. Uh, from George Clooney's an interesting director. It's either like pretty like generic is all how like pretty good. I don't think I've seen a good George Clooney directed movie. I think all of the ones I've seen have been pretty big duds, but I've, I've I only saw, seen like I remember liking two? Rides in March when I first saw it, but I only saw like 75% of it, so I don't really remember it good enough uh, to like, rate it. I haven't seen it. And that I've one. also heard good things about A Good Night and Good Luck with uh, Jeff Daniels. Hmm. I've only seen uh, The Monuments Men, I think, is the one. Yeah. I remember like being kind of excited for that movie from the trailer. No, so was like, I. When I first there, I was like, uh, and then I never saw it because I heard it was like pretty bad or pretty boring i think most of it was like it was really boring yeah it really didn't have much going for it but yeah do you have anything else to say about awakenings not particularly no all right what did you give the film i would give this film a six and i am sitting at a seven 6.5. 6.5. So we're going to give that one a 6.5. Uh-huh. Alright. So, thoroughbreds. Want to just jump right in? Yeah. Alright. Okay. Uh, uh, you start. I'm going to grab a, a Gatorade. I'll be right back in like two, two seconds. Okay. So, uh, thoroughbreds came out in 2017. I think it got a wide release in 2018. Um, yeah. Let's see. Let me pull up the movie here and just go through it. So it basically it starts off with Anna Taylor Joy. Uh, her character is hanging out with Olivia Cook's character. Is it? Oh yeah, it is. I think so. It it totally is. I'm just I'm dumb. Um, Man, I've been sleeping on Anya Taylor Joy. By the way, she's a good actress. She's in a lot of. She's really good. Yeah, uh, like, the first thing I think I saw her in was Split, and then just, like, I keep discovering, like, these little movies that she'll either play, like, a small part or a pretty significant part in, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, she was in The Witch. Yeah. She would just watch. Uh, yeah, I liked this movie quite a bit. Um, let's see. Yeah, so Amanda and Lily. And, uh. Yep. 
Yeah, so the movie starts off with uh, uh, Olivia Cook's character, Amanda, just kind of like looking at her horse, and uh, there's like a knife kind of like nearby. And then it cuts to a later point in her life, I guess, where she's being dropped off at this like really uh mansion yeah it's pretty it's a mansion uh and uh that's where anya taylor joy's character lily lives and basically uh lily's mom is paying her to hang out with amanda because uh i guess she just feels like she needs to socialize um yeah and yeah, basically, Amanda... Which makes sense, because Amanda's a fucking weirdo. Yeah, she's just like a total, like, sociopath, borderline psychopath, if not psychopath. Um, yeah. Yeah, she just doesn't feel any emotions, and uh, just fakes a lot of it. And uh, basically, yeah, there are these awkward hangouts where she kind of is like reading into Anya Taylor-Joy and uh, we find out that like Anya Taylor-Joy really hates her stepdad uh, so Amanda's just like well why don't you fucking just murder him and she's like haha that's very funny um, and yeah there's just like a lot of like really small moments that kind of like develop this weird friendship between Amanda and Lily and kind of establishing what a dick the stepdad is. Uh, and then there's... Yeah, like, there's that scene... Go ahead. Where, uh, she, like, takes off... She, like, loosens his bike spokes or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's, like, right after and they he, basically tell her what college she's going to. Yeah, like, she... Yeah, there's, there's a thing where... There's a paper where she... It looks like she cheated. Yeah, plagiarism. She plagiarized an essay, like almost a full essay. And, uh, and uh, she's it's a reapplication letter, and she's talking about how hey, me and uh, what was his, what's his name, Mark? Uh, Sounds about right. The stepdad, yeah, yeah. Was it Mark? Yeah. Uh, me and Mark have been talking, and we we think Brightmore is really good. Uh, Brightmore is like this this college for like behaviorally challenged people or something. I'm just like they have that. Yeah, I <laughs> guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and she's like, I don't want to go if I'm not going. If I'm not getting back in, I'm staying local. And Mark's like, back and he's like, I already put down the down payment. Yeah, I'm like, okay, weirdo. why are you just lurking back there? It didn't. <laughs> Also, he's just a dick, but uh, she loses the spike wheel, the bike spokes, and the next time we see him, yeah, he, like, has a broken nose, or, like, at least a bandage over his nose, and, uh... Yeah, he totally, like, melts the, out. The mom's trying to, like, adjust it, and he's like, I'm fine. She's like, no, just let me help, and he's like, I'm fine, and she's like, no, let me just... And then he starts freaking out, he's like, will you just have a fucking listen? Yeah. And he, like, freaks out on her, he's just the, he's just the worst. Yeah, no, he's a real, like, fucking... Like, what, if, what, do you want me to be a robot? I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, but also, he's a piece of shit. So, uh, at an earlier scene, uh, Lily had met 
Anton Yelchin's character, uh, uh Tim. Tim. Who, uh... Anton Yelchin's character is so good. Like, I, I really like his performance in this movie. Yeah, he does a really good job, and it's like... A, Especially <sighs> this opening scene, because he's just, like, crazy. Yeah, he's like this crazy, like, sex offender, drug dealer. Yeah, he's like a drug dealer at this, like, kid's party. And he they find out this guy's, like... This guy went to prison for statutory rape. He had sex with somebody our age when he was 25. He's like, calm down. I was 23. And it's like, oof, that's not much better. And so he's like, you gotta leave. And he's like, shut the fuck up, you gorilla face, stupid idiot. Yeah. Like, there's just this white kid that has like a, a pretty normal face. He's like, you gorilla looking dude. He's like, what's going on? And then uh, he basically is just like out in the parking area, just smoking a joint. Yeah, and he got punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he kind of like harasses uh, Lily as she's leaving. Um, yeah. He's just like, our time is now, motherfucker. <laughs> yes. So uh, basically Lily comes to the conclusion because there is one that one scene I was talking about earlier where Amanda's like why don't you kill him and she made like Lily uncomfortable so Lily's like alright you can just leave and uh in this course of time Amanda was having like some like uh, not withdrawals but she was just like you could tell that that kind of like irked her a bit and she just wants to like stay in contact with uh Lily yeah, you see on multiple messages over like five days. Or just like hi. Yeah, and she's like standing out in the yard until she like shows up at her house, and she's basically like, "Well, how would you do it?" Um, and she's like, "I wouldn't. You know, you would need to be away. There'd be alibis. You hire someone else to do it. So they hire Tim to do it. Uh, and they be- well, yeah. First off, no, um, they just they find him just as a dishwasher nursing home. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, how did you find me? And they just and asked like, around. around. He's like, so fucking unprofessional. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is one of my favorite, like, comedic scenes in the movie. Because <laughs> at one point they ask him if he has a, a gun. He's like, why would I tell you if I have a gun? <laughs> and they keep goading him to, like, have like ask if you have a gun. He's like, yes, I have a gun. He's like, <laughs> like I don't believe he probably has a spork. Yeah, but I don't have a fucking spork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I found a lot of the banter in this movie pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so basically they get him to admit that he has a gun, uh, and then they like make the proposition, like, hey, you know, we have a job for you. And they take him to the house and kind of, like, show him and lay out the game plan. And he's like, uh, do you guys even have the money? And it turns out that they plan on blackmailing him into doing it. And he's like, fuck that. And then they try to, like, take the gun from him. And they threaten to shoot him, but he's like, you're not gonna fucking shoot me. And while, like, Anya Taylor-Joy is, like, kind of, like, having him just stalling him with the gun pointed at him. Amanda comes up and, like, whacks him in the head with a lamp. And then, uh, they, like, just, like, put him in the bathtub and bandage his head up. 
like really poorly. It looks like he has a little like cone hat on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, "What the fuck am I gonna am I gonna tell my father? You know, I live with him, and he's gonna see my head." And it's like, just wear a hat. Uh, <laughs> wear a hat. And they're like, "All right, we're gonna take the gun from you. You're gonna come to this house. You're gonna take the gun out of the barbecue, and you're gonna go in and shoot Mark." Uh, and so, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, like, goes on, like, a spa vacation with her mother, and I don't remember what Amanda's doing, but... She's, uh, she has, like, a psychotherapy appointment, like a state-mandated one. Ah. So that, that time was the only time both of them had, like... An alibi. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, basically they, uh split up and then we see that uh Tim does go onto the property but he just takes the gun. Oh yeah, because like Yeah. He's like, they said there weren't alarms or anything, but there are like, these like giant floodlights. Yeah. Bit of, like, Motion sensor. censored, yeah. And so like he gets there and you don't see him at all, but you just see like Mark sitting in bed and then a light comes on and goes out. There doesn't seem to be anything. He turns around and then these giant floodlights come on. So he like grabs like a poker and comes out like a like a fireplace poker. Yeah, and then it, it cuts the next scene where uh, uh, Lily and her mother like checking out of the spa. And he shows up and she's like, "Well, he didn't do it." Yep, and uh, and she's freaking out. Who Amanda? He's like, "Oh, he's gonna go to the police." Like, no, he's not. Yeah. So basically, they're like, whatever. If he leaves us alone, we'll leave him alone. Because they also, like, question, like, oh, is he going to come after us? Which, that's totally the direction I thought the film was going to go. Uh, yeah. But no. And it, that's because that's kind of like what the trailer makes it look like. Because I had watched the trailer, mm-hmm. like, a long time ago. And I remembered, like, oh, seeing yeah, that I scene. Did, I didn't know anything about the movie. Uh, I remember seeing the Other scene. Yeah, I remember seeing the scene where he, like, points the gun at her face, and he's like, here, take it. And I just, like, figured he would, like, have some sort of, like, where they have to deal with him more. But I was kind of surprised to see him just kind of uh, fuck off for the rest of the movie, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Which makes total sense, given his character having seen the movie now. Uh, Yeah. But... Yeah, so, uh, basically, they just start hanging out again. Yeah, and, and uh, on, uh, the dad, is, the stepdad, Mark, is the worst, uh, Lily as well, but Lily's like, Lily's, I think it's important to note that nobody in this movie is a good person. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got kind like, of a bad thing going. <laughs> yeah, Lily and Amanda are pretty despicable people. <laughs> yeah, Amanda's a fucking sociopath. Lily is like becoming a sociopath as the movie goes on and even then before yeah, that I she think, was like I a, think she's like always has been but like she's just better at hiding. Yeah. Well, at the beginning of the movie uh, Amanda explained that she kind of like just recently discovered that about herself not too long yeah. ago so it might seem like it's kind of like a setup like oh you know, the... Well, she said that she's just, I don't know, stopped lying to herself. Yeah. 
And I wonder if that's kind of the process that Lily was going through the movie as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, there's like a scene where like she's smoking in the house and her stepdad comes and like basically just like... Amanda has like a knife. Yeah, Amanda's got a knife because they made like an agreement that if he like does any sort of like physical harm to her or something, then she would come out and like stab him. But that didn't happen. Instead, he just kind of tells uh, Lily what a entitled, selfish brat she is, and then leaves. And then Amanda and comes like, out. He's like, "If if I didn't already put down the, the full payment, then I wouldn't be sending you anywhere. But as soon as you that you go, you're cut off from my wallet." Yeah. And then Amanda comes out, and she's like, "Well, he's you know he's kind of a dick, but he's also kind of right." Which kind yeah, of upsets you're not her. Very good in the empathy department. <laughs> yeah. uh, so of course that pisses her off, and she's like, "All right, I think you should go." And then um, it's like three days radio silence, and then they're hanging out again. And she like drugs Amanda's orange juice that she's drinking, and she basically like explains like, "Don't drink it. I drugged your orange juice. I was gonna go upstairs and kill him and make it look like you did it." And then Amanda's like, oh, okay. And just, like, drinks it because basically right before she, like, admitted that, she was asking her, like, well, you don't really feel anything, so have you ever, like, thought about taking your life? And she's like, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. And then, uh, yeah, basically she just willingly drinks the orange juice and then Lily goes upstairs and does that. And, uh... I really like this scene because it doesn't show anything that happens. It just it just slowly like zooms in on like uh, Amanda while she's like on the couch, yeah, from the roofies, and it, all you hear is like the classic movie playing in the background, and like you can hear like a thud if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. You hear a couple thuds, and then you just see Anya Taylor Joy's character come back, and she just had like blood all over her and her gloved hand. Stuff. Yeah, she just like wipes it on Amanda and puts the knife in her hand or whatever, puts it on the ground in front of her. I think. Yeah, and then she just kind of like lays on her for a second, like just kind of bawling, adjusting to what she just did, and then uh, yeah, and then I cuts forward, and uh, it's Tim. He's a valet now, and uh, yeah, Lily basically. It's like, oh, you're moving up in the world, I see. Because he has, like, this huge spiel earlier on how ten years from now he's going to, like, live in just as nice of a house. That that scene really made me sad. (laughs) Yeah. Just because because he said, like, ten years from now I'll be running this game. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Because I do, like, as an actor, Anton Yelchin, when he was alive, he, uh, like, was really, he was in like three or four movies a year and he, I think he's a really good actor yeah and I do think if he was given like ten more years he would be like one of the most successful actors working you know oh yeah like I could see so him so that, that, that scene made me very sad gosh yeah no it's rough and uh yeah but he's just a ballet she's like oh moving up in this world he's like why are you here she's like, I have a lunch yeah and he's like what the like director of the college is takes lunch meetings and she's like no but he was a close friend of my stepdad so 
And then, uh, basically, uh, he's like, yeah, I heard about that. And she's like, and he asked if, uh, she, he's like, yeah, I didn't want to do it anymore, but Amanda felt differently. Yep. And then he asks, he's like, well, have you kept in contact? And she's like, uh, I got a letter. And then we like go into a sequence where we like read her letter and get like a glimpse at what Amanda's life in prison's like. And she's pretty content with it. Seems. She's like, yeah, because I, she's more, she's actually in like a mental hospital, I believe. Oh yeah. Some, some detained facility. Yeah. Uh, and then, and, uh, Anya, Taylor-Joy, or Lily is basically like, eh, I didn't read it. I just threw it away. And then the movie ends. Oh, after she gives yeah. uh, Tim the keys to the car. Yeah. Honestly, what surprised me the most is that I found the most, like, empathetic character to, or I guess the two, but most empathetic, like, out of the four mains. Because the mom's pretty... Like, she doesn't really do anything wrong, I guess. I mean, she kind of... But kinda, she's not. She's barely even in the film. She doesn't stand I up mean, she's a bad to mother. herself. Yeah, she's kind of yeah. a bad mother. But outside of that... Uh, I mean, everyone's got at least some sort of, like, flaw attached to them. Yeah. But honestly, I think the thing on Yelchin's character was probably the most empathetic, which surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah? Oh! <gasps> Yeah, but there was. I really like the, the the composition for this film. The what? The the like score. Oh yeah, no, it was pretty good. When uh, because the movie's in four chapters, and I believe the second chapter, the beginning of it, uh, there's like this weird like drums that start coming in, and this like howling that comes in. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, but I really like that song. Like, what's going on? Is somebody gonna die right now? But I'm like, it's only like 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I yeah, I was surprised at how fast this movie went by. Like, I kept like just like, because I got through the first half and it's like, oh my gosh, it's just speeding by. Felt like there was a lot more uh, that like, I don't know. It just felt like a longer movie. Yeah. I, I also expected, like, from the very few things I knew about the film, I just expected it to be, like, two hours. But it's only, like, an hour and 32 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's, uh... I really like... Yeah, no, I like the composition. I thought the, the, like, cinematography was pretty good as well. There was, like, a lot of, like, the first shots of the film I didn't like. I don't know why. Like, the first scene where you see the car like pull up to the house a lot of it just looked like really bad i don't know why but then everything else looked like good to really good mm-hmm. for, at least to me oh fuck we forgot to talk about like the the horse thing um oh yeah so <laughs> yeah go ahead uh, yeah so amanda's character uh when she, she like killed a horse at one point uh like her mom's horse it was like sick so she wanted to, like, put it out of its misery, but she didn't have, like, a gun. So she, like, looked up ways to, like, quickly uh, execute a horse. And she found, like, something about, like, a method they use in Mexico where they use, like, a specific kind of curved blade to, like, pierce into their vertebrae and, like, paralyze them. And she kind of, like, improvised with just a knife 
and uh like ended up like kicking its head off and I was like oh my god how graphic uh but yeah we find that out like towards like the last third of the movie yeah <laughs> I feel like we've forgotten the like most important thing to Amanda's character yeah and I mean it relates to the title of the film because Thoroughbreds is like the breed of horse yeah and it was a yeah, um, but also they're they're like thoroughbreds because they're super high class. Yeah, that too. Like of a pure breed. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, but I, uh, what did you think of the film? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I I would probably give this one a seven. Um, yeah, I did. I, I liked it a lot. I, I would give it a seven as well. Like I said, there was a couple like weird things. I also think it could have been expanded upon a little bit more. Yeah. I would have liked to see, like, I felt like they could have totally, like, made this a two-hour movie and maybe, like, added just some more good character scenes, because I just found myself super sucked in and would have enjoyed to see more. Left yeah. Leaves you uh, wanting a little more. I would like to see more Ansel the Elgin. I don't know where they would fit him in. But, yeah. Uh, he was, like, my favorite character in the film. He was just so, like, weird. Yeah, no, I, 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 I really enjoyed, like, the kind of main trio of characters of, like, Amanda, Lily, and uh, yeah. Tim. I thought they and were honestly, fun to watch. Like, I thought Mark was, like, a good, like, villainous thing, because, like, they're all bad people. Mm-hmm. But you have to have, like, an overarching bad person, so he's just, like, old and bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what's, what's funny is, like, a lot of the things he was saying weren't, like, wrong either, but he was just the worst about it. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, why are stepdads in like, movies? The democracy of everything was just super there. Like, at one point she yells for her mom and he yells at her to stop yelling. And I'm like, what? <laughs> now you're yelling. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. <sighs> but... Uh, and I think that I think that the mom was I think a little too present at times because the whole idea was that uh, she wasn't present enough in her daughter's life kind of thing. But then, which which was correct for like the first like forty minutes, but then she was there like a decent amount. And I was like, yeah, I think you're here a little too much. You're in a little too many scenes. I would have preferred if she was only in like two scenes. Yeah, like the tanning bed scene and the idea. scene where they're in the spa. Maybe a scene at the yeah, end after much. the tragedy. Or happens. I guess I guess the scene that uh, actually I guess she's in enough. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I really enjoyed. It. I also gave it a seven. So we, we enjoyed both movies this week. Yeah. Uh, I woke, I've been waking up at like four a.m. recently. Just my sleep schedule all messed up. I've been watching them before starting the day. Mm. Yeah, uh, I've been on a messed up sleep schedule too because I had like a dinner I had to go to the other night but I'm pretty much back on sync now. That's good. Um, do you have any other things to say about either of these films? Uh, not particularly, no. Oh, there's one scene if, uh, in uh, ooh, Awakenings yeah. when Robin Williams shows up and he totally leaves his keys in the car door. I thought that was oh pretty God. funny. <laughs> I think 
I wonder if that was just on purpose, because there's a bunch of scenes where he, like, leaves the window open. Like, is that just supposed to be, like, enough? Is he supposed to, like, be forgetful? Yeah. Just because at one point he, like, leaves the window open. Like, little micro-characterisms, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> because they had a lot of that, and that's why I like the movie so much. Because, like I said, it was really generic, but I think that the... I think that the writing was pretty good, and I think there was a lot of small character moments as well. It, you know, the movie ain't no big, right? Yeah. It's not as good as big, but... Oh, yeah, it's from <laughs> the director of big. Marshall movie you should see. Yeah, big's good. I also really want to see A League of Their Own, because I've heard that's very good. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. I need to, though. I heard it's one of the quintessential sports movies. Yeah, I've heard the same, yeah. so I guess I'll have to check it out. And then, yeah, Corey Finley has his new movie coming out. I don't know if it has a release date yet, but um. <laughs> knowing knowing things, it probably got picked up by A24, and we'll see it in, like, a year with, like, one theater play. <laughs> yep, probably. Uh, thanks, A24. I just, I just looked, and it looks like the composer for Thoroughbreds haven't done any other movies. Hmm. So that's good. Well, All right. hopefully so he gets more I work. got classes, right? Or no? No. You have classes. I do. Um. So what do we watch? All right. So my movie is from 1966, and it's called The Hero. It's from Indian director, uh, I think this is how you pronounce his name, Satyajit Rai. Um... Yeah, he directs, like, the Apu trilogy, if you've ever heard of that. Um, okay. Yeah, so I just got the criterion for it, so it's like, oh, might as well pick that. The Hero, okay. I've never even heard of this song. I've heard of that trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's available to stream on Criterion Streaming Service, if I'm not mistaken. Let's check. Yes, it is on the Criterion channel, if anyone has that. Okay, cool. Now, my pick, uh, I will give you a couple options. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll just tell you, I'll ask you the year, okay? All right. We got 2017 or 2018? Mm, I'm going to go with 17. All right. Uh, we're going to be watching a uh, movie called The Bomb City. Bomb City? It uh, came out 2017. It's about like, a, it's a crime drama about like some punk rockers in like conservative Texas. Okay. Huh. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime, Canopy, Tubi TV, or you can rent or buy it from Voodoo. Uh, Tubi TV and Canopy are both free streaming services. Tubi TV also unfortunately has ads, but it's free, so whatever. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, and most likely, so this was a short episode, just because, you know, I'm in Mexico and it's kind of a weird setup. Most likely next week will probably be about the same hour, 20, hour 30. And then after that, I should be back in Washington. We'll be hitting on the 17 hour mark. And then uh, remember that next week's picks, we're starting to do Christmas episodes, which we're doing two. So pick a Christmas movie or a holiday movie next week, okay? Okay. Yeah, I can do that. All right. Well, thanks everybody for watching. Uh, screen links, listening. Yep. Don't forget. Uh, who, who do you tell, Tom? Uh, your grandmothers. <laughs>
Yep. Tell your grandma. Tell all the boomers. I told my grandmother yesterday. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then and then they all asked, "What a what's a podcast?" Ah. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, "Uh oh." And then I said, "It's like a radio show." And then I walked away. <laughs> all right. <laughs> See you later, everybody. Adios.